Uh, so this is actually episode four. What? <laughs> uh, well, I, what we saw last time was really episodes two and three oh, of the yeah. TV series. It was released as five episodes. Then when they package it, they package the because those two episodes were like thirty and like really mm-hmm. short episodes. Yeah. So I think of this one as the shortest episode, but it's actually not even the shortest episode. But so it's it's, it's episode four. Uh, Somarin's Handelser Summer Events. That sounds fun. No. It sounds like this is going to be a good fun. Yeah, sure. Um, not unlike other summer events, like the latest Marvel movie. Or like when we went to that park to go to the thing, <laughs> and we went to the wrong thing. I predict that this episode will be as awkward as going to the wrong picnic party and eating other people's food, except that this will—I think this will be this will be shorter than that. Yeah, because this this episode is only an hour. Yep. Yep. It should be. Remember, Fanny and Alexander is a comedy. And when asked, Bergman was like, "Yeah, it's a comedy." So, like, what is him telling a joke? If you asked Bergman to tell you a joke, would he just like hit you in the face? <laughs> No, it's funny. It's really funny, says Ingmar Bergman. Uh, so, are you, well, yeah, and also, uh, this is this is episode three of Fanny and Alexander. Hey, welcome. Welcome, everyone. Well, don't say that. We haven't welcomed them yet. But I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. I just f***ed my mic over. <laughs> oh, no. What happened? <laughs> I slammed my hand into it. Oh, well. well. I... I won't use that part. <laughs> I will edit around the hand slamming. The hand slamming action that you've come to expect from It's Del Toro time. Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. We are on episode three? Four? four. Depending on four. who you ask. We're on episode four. Part three, episode four, because episode two was two and three. Mm-hmm. That's what we figured out. So we're now on episode four, part three of Fanny Alexander. What's funny about this is... He re- they, since they released everything on one night anyway, it doesn't really matter. And also, he he was like, I'm going to release this as five episodes. But then they made him release it as four episodes. But episodes two and three were still, were mushed together on TV, but still referred to as episodes two and three. It doesn't matter anyway. What's happening in the hot summertime in Sweden? That's what this oh episode's all about. <laughs> oh boy, are so many fun things happening. They're going they're going swimming. They're going no, I'm joking. They are <laughs> going swimming. There's some or boating. Uh the family's yeah. gone a boating. Family's, family's gone a boating. Gone a boating. And they did ride. Uh-huh. Um so one thing that I've I've discovered reading up on this show is that there are so many callbacks to previous Bergman films in this in this film like not just the characters and the actors but like little like just visual motifs that i would totally recognize if i was a bergman expert i guess (laughs) that people who since this is supposed to be his last project people would be like oh he's calling back to like uh this he's calling back to that so apparently and apparently this episode's like full of them Mm -hmm. uh just from the from the 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 costumes to the camera angles there's like a ton of them Mm -hmm. i'm no bergman expert I don't live no the Bergman life. Berg spurt. <laughs> <laughs> but you do listen to this show for our hot, hot Berg spurts. That's right. 
<laughs> we're a cu- we're a regular couple of Ingmar Spurtsman. <laughs> Berg spurting all over the mic. Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> I'm going to start a dedicated podcast now just called Berg Spurts. And no one's going to know what it is or ever listen to it because I'm not going to have a subtitle or nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these are these are our, these are just that, that's what you call Bergman thoughts that come off the top of your head. It's just Bergspurts. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. got another text message from whom? From my you mom. Know, She's asking if I'm laughing or crying. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this shows you what kind of life Willow leads. Where if a parent hears loud noises coming from the bedroom, it's 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 a fifty. It's a toss up. It could be raucous laughter or raucous weeping. We never know. I've accidentally gotten into the habit of screaming whenever there's a bug up here. Accidentally, yes. Yeah. Well, because I never used to scream when there was a bug. I would just go. Mm-hmm. Um. But all of a sudden, just. Is it like? Is it like just scream, like little screams, or one sustained scream? One sustained scream, <laughs> well, like blood curdling banshee scream. <laughs> you would have hated living in Sweden in the 1910s because these people spent a lot of time outside, a lot of time by the lake, a lot of time boating, and I presume a lot of time surrounded by uh, clouds of insects. However, you would have been lucky because you would have been wearing a dress that went up to your chin. And long sleeves all summer long. So in and a way, a giant hat. And a giant hat. So you would have been protected against most of these bugs. And we do see a lot of these costumes, uh, a lot of a lot of bright white costumes in this. I would episode. have put a net around my hat that like could tuck into my turtleneck dress. That sounds so like that a good plan. The, yeah, none of the bugs could get near me. Yeah, it sounds like a plan you should probably uh, live with right now. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. New summer dress outfit. So in this episode, a lot of this episode, it bops back and forth between the Ekdals or just like Helena, the grandmother, like mm-hmm. what she's going, what's going on with her and the bishop's family at the bishop's house. Uh, mm-hmm. And it kind of just cuts back and forth between those. It's just one afternoon uh, in the middle of the summer. And Helena is she's she's twisted her ankle so she can't join the rest of the extended family on uh, on their on their we- their boating excursion, they're spending their they're spending their time in the country as they are wont to do. They have not mm-hmm. been joined by uh, by Emily and the children who are trapped in the bishop's house. Mm-hmm. But uh, our first our first hint of anything going on is she gets a phone call in the country from Isaac, her lover. Yeah, yeah. Who's like, what's going on? And she's like, well, I hurt my ankle. It's okay. I get to chill out in the house, and uh, I'm kind of worried about Emily and the kids. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah, you should be." Yeah, uh, you don't actually hear him, but it's mm-hmm. it's a nice reminder that she's got this relationship with this guy back in town, and she invited him up, but he's got to take mm-hmm. care of his shop. Uh, and so it's it's cool that he's like still a presence. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he's supportive, and he calls her, mm-hmm. and it's very nice. Uh, then she's visited by Maya. Yep, who's a very pregnant. Yes, who we refer to as Madge because that's you. Referred to as Madge. <laughs> uh, because that's how you spell it. It's M-A-J. But I guess it's pronounced my, my, my. I don't know how you say it. Uh, everyone talks very fast in this movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's preg. Uh, and uh, and also worried about the kids. Mm-hmm. And what's her big indication that something's not right? 
I don't remember. She wrote Alexander like <laughs> oh, seven, that's right. six or seven letters. And then she got one back that was like, it's been so fun. We went to the beach and learned about bugs. And she was like, this is not from Alexander. No, no, no. <laughs> I would, I thought you were going to say that. You said this is not from Alexander. She doesn't say this is not no, from Alexander. But, and also, if they said... didn't say we went to the beach and learned about bugs. They went to the botanical garden and learned about plants. But yes. <laughs> For you, as far as Willow is concerned, that is the same thing. Went yep. to the beach and learned about bugs is may as well be went to the botanical gardens as far as you care. Yep. <laughs> uh, we went to the botanical gardens once. Do you remember? In Texas? Yeah. I have you, pictures me. of it. What? Wasn't I miserable the entire time? Yes, that was my point. <laughs> <laughs> it was very lovely. There were some unusual plants there, some very strange plants. Uh, but you were just, you were miserable the whole time. You did not want to be there. And my grandmother was, or your grandmother, my mother was very kind to you and hung out with you. I think mm -hmm. probably because she was miserable as well. Look, I don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is nice that it has been over 15 years since that day and, uh, or over 10 years since that day. And, uh, and you remember every bit of misery as if it were yesterday. <laughs> Actually, I did just go to the, uh, I didn't just go, but for my food science, not food science, my food history course, we went to the uh, greenhouse that's attached to um, the the uh, school, and we learned about, like, old plants and, like, how they evolved and stuff, and, you know, it was fine. I think growing older, getting older, isn't so much about learning to like things more, it's just learning mm -hmm. how to put on a happier face. Yeah. I got yeah. to eat a leaf. Hey, I eat leaves last night. It's called lettuce. It wasn't lettuce. It was a, a plant that is used as a sugar substitute in some places. It tastes uh -huh. like sugar, but it doesn't have any of the like sugary stuff in it. What is it called? I can't remember. <laughs> is it? Were you? Wait a minute. Were you in Willy Wonka's factory? <laughs> yeah. How do you know? No. Uh, it. I was the first one to try it. Uh huh. It made me almost throw up. Because I didn't like the texture. There but. we go. <laughs> There's the willow I know. <laughs> but uh, I try. I ate it anyways. Ate it anyways. Ate it anyways. We also got to eat a Minnesota-grown pineapple because they Ooh. grow one pineapple every year in the greenhouse. And it was good. Yeah. It tasted a lot better than the pineapple from the supermarket. Heck yeah, Minnesota pineapple country. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, Maya is very upset. She's sad. She's worried. She's also stressed out because I don't think we covered this in the first episode. She was promised a, a cafe mm -hmm. by Gustav, uh, the father of her child. Yes. Uh, uh, and she is, I guess, running the cafe now. Mm -hmm. uh, they make a they make a mention of it, but uh, but it doesn't seem to be going well. Or she's just stressed out by it. She's pregnant and running a cafe in Sweden. Like uh, uh, she's just she's she's stressed out and pregnant and mm -hmm. uh, and feeling it. Yeah, she and she didn't go on the boating trip with them because she didn't think she could fit in the boat. Feeling a little self conscious as well. Um, but she's very kind. She's very sweet. Everyone seems to love her. And uh, we cut immediately from that to the children imprisoned in their room. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, and what's interesting is there's a, there's a storm going on in the country, but mm -hmm. it quickly passes, but you still hear the thunder. Mm -hmm. And the storm is apparently just sitting right over the bishop's house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that's, all I, that's the only way I can explain it. Uh, wasn't, there, wasn't there a Care Bear who always had a thundercloud above him? A uh, grumpy, grumpy Bear. Grumpy yeah. Bear or something. Yeah. 
that's yeah. he lives in the bishop's house. He didn't have a storm cloud above him. He had a storm cloud on his tummy. Yeah, uh, but didn't he? There was what, there's a cartoon character that always has a storm cloud above their head all the okay, time. Okay, I'm gonna use this brief ex- di- diversion to clarify a few things about Grumpy Bear. Grumpy Bear originally envisioned not as a bear who was always grumpy. In the original storybooks of the Care Bears, Grumpy Bear was just as upbeat as all the other bears. He simply was the bear who was able to zero in on children who were feeling sad. And so he was the bear assigned to children who were feeling sad. And he would go down to them and explain that it was okay to feel sad. Didn't make you a bad person. He personally was not always grumpy. That came about in the cartoon series. He wasn't Oscar the Grouch. He was just ultra sympathetic towards children who were grumpy. Phil Gonzalez's new podcast, all about the Care Bears. Defending the Care Bears. That's my new thing. <laughs> the, the, they were a, it was a little more complex in the original storybooks. Thanks. I had some of the storybooks. I know. They were hardbacks. Those, those mm-hmm. tall hardbacks. Yep. I could whack people with them. And then they came out with two different cartoon series, one of which was the, the Deke series, which if you ever want your mom to start laughing... Talk to her about the old Care Bear series, and especially the character, the character of Jinx Jacobs. <laughs> if you go up to your mom and you go, Jinx Jacobs, Jinx Jacobs, <laughs> because all the kids in that cartoon were voiced by adults, who, as your mom put it, must have hated children. Because <laughs> I would watch those cartoons. Without you present, just because they were dark and upsetting and the children were all awful people. And your mom would be like, did whoever make this just not like kids? And I'm like, heck yeah, the Deke, only the Deke ones. And those were the Care Bears cartoons that were simply about kids having problems and the Care Bears helping them out. None of that like evil villain who lived in the cloud stuff. Just kids with problems. There was one kid, one about a kid who got braces and he was so afraid that kids are going to make fun of his braces that it made him a jerk. People like people, kids would be like, "What's wrong with you?" And he's like, "It'd be like, hey, hey, Billy, you want to come? You want to come play kickball with us?" And he'd be like, "Uh, you're just you're just saying that because of my braces." And they're like, "No, we we really want you to come play with us on the on the on the on the ball field." And he's like, "Uh." Yeah, everyone's just taking pity on me because I got braces. And and they were literally like, no, we had no idea you had braces. We couldn't see your braces. We just wanted you to come play with us. Uh, stop <laughs> talking about my braces. And that's the whole episode is like that. It's amazing. I'm going to send it to you. I'll send you a link. I'm going to post it on the Del Toro Time Twitter. The Care Bears braces episode. Uh, why is everyone laughing at my braces? We didn't notice you had braces. You just keep talking about them. <laughs> my braces. Braces. I think it's called braces. The only clip I remember of that of one of the shows is the one bully who like put gum in everyone's sandwiches. Yes. That's the braces episode. Yeah? He didn't put gum in everyone's episodes. He put gum in the braces kid's epi- sandwich so that the braces kid would get the gum stuck in his braces, which seems a lot of work. But yeah, he slides like a slab of gum into his sandwich, which now I want to do to someone. <laughs> and I'm like, where do you get a huge Because sl- it was like a lunch meat sized piece of gum. Oh, man. I'm glad you remember that. 
My braces. Everyone hates my braces. So Ingmar Bergman, Fanny and Alexander. <laughs> Speaking of whiny kids, these kids aren't whiny. These kids are delightful. The kids, Fanny and Alexander, are locked in their room. The maid comes in, who you at first were like, I love this maid. You were too. Yeah, she seemed pretty awesome. Because mm-hmm. she was cookies. Heck yeah, and they like share their cookies with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're like, okay, this is off to a good start. And then she tells them, what does she tell them? She tells them a story. She tells them about the death of the former kids and like yeah. how there's a ghost and shit. yeah and stuff. You keep and swearing stuff. in this episode. I don't like your mouth since you became a college kid. <laughs> I swear less now that I'm a college kid than I did when I was not a college kid. Yeah, it stops being cool once you're in school. That's the thing about swearing. Everyone does it. Yep. Uh, yeah, she tells them about the little girls drowning and the mother trying to save them. Uh, that When they found the bodies, this is my favorite detail. When they found the bodies, uh, the little girls were still clutching each other. And they were clutching each other so tightly that their arms had to be sawn off just to get the bodies into separate coffins. That's a good detail. Why didn't they just put them in the same coffin? Or just pull harder. Like, it seems like it's two dead bodies. You could probably just yank on the arms a little bit harder yeah. before you resort to, like... I mean, like, rigor mortis is no joke, I guess. And it was, like, freezing water, so... Rigor mortis is no joke. Thank you for clarifying our position on rigor mortis. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, should the It's Still Toro Time release a new t-shirt that just says rigor mortis <laughs> is no joke? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I will be releasing a Rigor Mortis is No Joke t-shirt onto my Zazzle site. It'll be for sale. I'll post it on Twitter. <laughs> rigor Mortis is No Joke. Uh, and it isn't. But I. But also the thing about Rigor Mortis is you wait long enough and it goes away. Rigor Mortis doesn't last. It's only a, there's like a window of Rigor Mortis time. And then it's done. So before, Rigor Mortis time. Rigor Mortis time. I should have taken the ASL test because... This is ASL for rigor mortis time. <laughs> Not for rigor mortis. Rigor mortis time. Rigor mortis time goes away. And you're left with soft bodies that you can then unencumber from one another and bury in separate coffins. I just think before you reach for the saw, give it a few days. Maybe not even a few days. Like they'll they'll come apart. How long does rigor mortis last? Hold on, I'm gonna look that up. How long does rigor mortis last? Uh, this is the first thing that shows up. 24 to 84 hours. 24 yeah. to 84 hours, after which the muscles begin to relax. But I would think that, like, even if it's the full 84 hours, you could probably move the arms a little bit before. Also, how long did they wait to get those people out of the water? They didn't yeah. wait four to six hours. How long were they under the water? Who knows? Long enough they had to saw off their arms. <laughs> or was the bishop just like, hey, uh, could you saw off their arms? Just tell them that rigor mortis is. I don't know. The guy's creepy enough. Uh, so you don't say that or the girls are going to come and beat you up. The girls are going to come and beat you up. That's my favorite and part. And vomit of in your mouth. Vomit all over you. Vomit, vomit river water on you. Um, so she so the, the maid tells them the story about the girls and then alexander's like well i got visited by their ghosts mm-hmm. and she was like wait wait wait, what and this is where we thought the maid was being really cool because she was mm-hmm. like 
all into this story that Alexander was telling her about how he was visited by the ghost of the little girl and the mom, and they told her that they were being locked in their room, and they tried to escape out the window, but they fell in the river and drowned. They were trying to escape the evil bishop. Mm-hmm. And the maid is like, that's an awesome story. Oh, by the way, look at my hand. I burned all the skin off of it, reaching for a doorknob, and all my skin fell off. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Apparently, that's some kind of like has something to do with stigmata symbolism. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's what it said in the in the commentary track. More stigmata symbolism, he said, and What's then let stigmata? it go. Uh, the stigmata is you get uh, bloody wounds on your hands and feet that resemble the the the, the wounds of Christ, and in your okay. side. And sometimes you get them on your head for the crown of thorns. But uh, stigmata, it's like psychic, physical representation of Christ's wounds. Okay. All the all the commentary track guy said was more stigmata symbolism. And I was like, why? From the maid? I don't understand. Is she the Christ figure in this movie? <laughs> yes. So what does the maid do with his charming she, little tale? She tattletales. She's she like, a snitch. She like hoofs it to the bishop's bedroom and snitches on him. Snitches get stitches. She should get stitches. Uh, snitches that get hand wound. <laughs> snitches get stigmata. Yeah, she's picking at it at one point. It's gross. Uh, before she snitches on them, we get a charming scene of Alexander and Fanny uh, praying for the bishop to die. Mm-hmm. It's a great little scene. They count down because you have to say your prayer at the same time. One, two, three. Uh, die, you devil, is the uh, is the prayer they say. And it's appropriate because I don't think Alexander believes much in God anymore. Uh, did he ever? Uh, well, you know, you have that childhood belief I think he in does God. believe in God. I just don't think he thinks that the bishop is a figure of God. Yeah. Well, the maid goes and rats out the kids. It rats out Alexander to the bishop. I think and... that this is, like, I, I, as much as the bishop sucks, I do understand his anger towards this story because he did yeah. lose his wife and kids. Yeah. Um, um, but also, understanding the psychology of children... They tell stories that represent what's happening to them. And what is happening to them is they're being locked in their room and they want to escape. Yeah. Uh, Also, the bishop's a real SOB. Yeah. uh, As we'll find out momentarily. Uh, But first, we have this delightful, not delightful, but this very touching scene Mm -hmm. uh, between Helena, the grandmother, and and the ghost of Oscar. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought we, find... we had Emily first. No, she comes next. Okay. Um, Oscar's ghost appears, and Helena has this long monologue, basically about the kind of mother she was and how her whole life she's played many parts, uh, mother, wife. Uh, she was an actress originally, mm-hmm. so she played a lot of roles on stage, and she never expected to have to play the role of a mother with a, with a, who's lost her child. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's this very touching scene. Uh, the ghost of Oscar speaks his first line. Uh, in this, uh, at the end of the scene, uh, she says, Oscar, my dear boy. And he says, yes, mama. And she says, are you sad? And he says, I'm worried. And she says about the children. And he nods. Yes. And Helena like responds like, oh dear. Like they must be in trouble. If even the ghost of their father is worried about them. Mm-hmm. Why is it okay? Why should Oscar be worried about his children? Because one of them's about to get beat. Go on. <laughs> by the bishop. Yep. Uh, uh, in in a in a sham hearing, 
the bishop hauls Alexander before his own mother and presumably his his sister and the maid. And uh, I think Alex, this is the scene where Alexander's performance is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like the the bishop's performance is amazing anyway because he's so evil. But Bertil Gouve as Alexander is phenomenal in this scene. Mm-hmm. Like being defiant up to the bitter freaking end with the bishop. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the bishop just basically like does that same thing he did in the in the past episode, like trying to teach Alexander a lesson, touching his face and neck a lot, which is gross. Uh, apparently, Alexander is using in Swedish. There's a way of addressing someone who is your like superior that there's a way of forming the like the pronouns or whatever that he Alexander is doing that is like sort of like hyper uh like submissive but in such a way that it comes across as rude but in a way that you can't say anything against because mm-hmm. he's still being he's still using an honorific but in a way that is interpreted as rude. it's apparently if you spoke Swedish it would make a lot even even more sense and you'd be like yeah Alexander like stick it to him stick it to the guy uh, the the best they can do in the translation is simply he refers to the bishop in the third person as the bishop mm-hmm. the whole time, but it's pretty intense, mm-hmm. and the bishop gives him bishop fi- gives him a choice basically on how he's going to be punished for telling the story about about his uh, late wife and children, and what are his options? His three options. Do you remember? Being whipped. The lie, not lie. Uh, the, the oh my god, you're gonna drink <laughs> lie, boy. <laughs> The uh the 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 oil yeah uh, castor oil the, castor oil and being put in a rat cupboard <laughs> yes being put <laughs> in a dark cupboard where the rats will sniff at your face uh, uh, I can deal with rats but Alexander they point out later Alexander is terrified yeah. of the dark yeah so that's like super extra cruel. I'm going to go on record, another another uh, It's Del Toro time going on record as saying, locking a child in a dark cupboard for the rats to sniff at them, don't do it. Don't That's do any of these things to your children. Ultra bad. Uh, uh, beating your child also, with a carpet beater, bad. don't do it. Extra bad. Giving your child castor oil, Super bad as well. Don't do any of these three things. Isn't ever. like castor oil something that people like drink willingly now? It's an emetic. Uh, you give it to a child to make them throw up. It's mm-hmm. you're punishing the child by making them vomit uncontrollably, which seems like a punishment for everybody. Uh, but as we find out later, vomiting is a thing in this house because uh, we find out from Emily that. Uh, uh, Fanny refused to finish her porridge and she had to sit at her plate all night uh, uh, and she and she ended up throwing up all over her plate. Uh, so that the, the bishop likes to push children to their physical limits as a form of punishment. Uh, what a jerk. What a jerk. Yes. You're freezing up and then yes. speaking really fastly all at once. You froze up while adjusting your cape and so for a while you were like frozen with the cape above you like you were some kind of demented superhero um, which you kind of are you're kind of the demented superhero of our show 
so yeah, so Alexander is given a choice. Being beaten with a carpet beater, 10 lashes with a carpet beater, uh, drinking an Ipecac solution, or being locked in a closet full of hungry rats. He chooses to get beaten, which he is in front of everyone with his pants mm-hmm. down. And it is not only painful, it is humiliating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he refuses to apologize and he gets one more swat for that. Uh, how badly is he beaten? Bloody. He is beaten bloody. And you see his bloody bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boy is beaten bloody and it is uh, terrible. But he remains defiant to the end. Even when apologizing to the bishop, he screams his apology at him. And then Fanny refuses to let herself be touched by the bishop when he tries to touch her face. And you only I thought see... he was going to punch her in the face yeah. after that. Because his hand goes to touch her face and she t- pulls away and his hand immediately becomes a fist. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a good guy. No. Uh, he t- does lock Alexander in the attic, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Alexander's like, can I go to bed now? And he's like, of course. Uh, go to bed. Oh, by the way, you're sleeping in the attic, the unfinished attic with nothing but a dirty mattress and a blanket. Um, yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. But before we get to that, we have a visit. Uh, uh, Helena is visited by Emily. This is where Emily shows up at Helena's place. Mm-hmm. Um, she's doing the rounds. She shows up. And uh, what's on Emily's mind? Everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she's a little, she's a little bothered by this guy she married. Just a little bit. No, a lot of it. Yeah. She's also pregnant. (laughs) Great. Yep. She's pregnant. She's unhappy. She knows that she's in a terrible situation. Why can't she leave? Because if she leaves, she would be deserting her children, which would put them in the custody of the bishop. Right. Legally, the bishop owns the children, controls their lives. She can't leave without... The, the, the guy just getting you know, everything and her mm-hmm. probably being locked away. Uh, and he has told her this because mm-hmm. she she asked for a divorce and he said, nope. And if you leave me, I'm going to sue you and I'm going to get custody of your kids. So good luck, lady. Uh, and this is where Alexander is locked in the in the attic and gets a special visit. From the ghosts of the bishop's dead kids hey and are they and nice they're like how ghosts? dare you insult our father and i'm like go to hell where you belong to devil children <laughs> yeah the ghosts aren't happy with alexander telling stories about them they suck the ghosts aren't happy with alexander no he made up story or did he make up stories about them that's i'm assuming that he did not have mm-hmm. an actual vision of the ghosts come to him i think it's interesting that the daughters visited, but the mother didn't. And I'm wondering if there's going to be something there. Maybe. Because uh, this guy doesn't seem like spouse material. And I'm wondering <laughs> if maybe the daughters weren't witnessing something that was going on between him and the mother. Maybe. Uh, are these their actual ghosts is my next question. Or are I, these products of Alexander's imagination? I don't know. They're pretty spooky. Yeah. Uh, um, the ghosts that we've seen so far have all been pretty normal looking. Mm-hmm. Except for, you know, Skeleton Man. Right. Death wasn't normal looking. He was normal looking yeah. for Skeletor. But we get visited by Pauline and Esmeralda. Pauline is the older of the two sisters. Esmeralda never speaks, but she is ultra creepy. Mm-hmm. She hides behind the crucifix. Esmeralda's T.O.'d and, and so is Pauline. They're both T.O.'d because Alexander was telling stories about them. 
uh, he is terrified of them. He begs them not to scare him, but they, they get in his face. He's on the ground. They get all up in his face. He says, please don't frighten me. And then he gets vomited on. Uh, he just has to punch him. Honestly, you just got to punch him. Yeah, the, the the Pauline says, we'll scare the wits out of you so you end up in a hospital locked in a cell, chained hand and foot. He says, please don't frighten me. And then Esmeralda vomits on him. It looks, it's water. I assume it's supposed to be like the water they drown in. Mm-hmm. But that's, that. the scene immediately cuts to, uh, to Emily bursting into the house and mm-hmm. uh, clocking the crap out of... Uh, out of the bishop's sister, the bishop's mom, one of the two. The bishop's sister. She's the worst. I hate her. Like, yeah. the bishop I can understand to be, like, evil. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, like, so evil, it's, like, evil. Yeah. But she's just awful. Yeah. She loved watching Alexander get beaten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now the, Alexander's locked in the attic. Before Emily can get to the attic, the sister pulls the key out of the door. Mm-hmm. So she can't unlock it. And what does Emily do? shoves her down the stairs oh my god she like twists her arm and slams her into the wall like give me that key it's my favorite scene so far (laughs) yeah it was pretty good (laughs) it's very satisfying to watch the sister get the crap kicked out of her uh emily goes upstairs and hugs alexander uh then we have a a few scenes back at the ekdal's summer place they've all Mm -hmm. returned from their little boating excursion flying the swedish flag uh and the grandmother is looking through photographs. She's visited uh, by uh, Gustav and his wife, Ava, who we, who we remember from the first uh, part. And she manages to upset Gustav simply by mentioning Mai. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, by the way, Mai, was, Mai came around. Uh, you should be nicer to her. And Gustav flies into a dither, the biggest dither I've seen on screen. It's so funny. Because then no one says anything. It's just him monologuing. Yep. Yeah, for like five minutes. But like, oh, don't make me upset. Don't bring her up. Oh, I do the best for her. She, she's just like one of my children. I mean, I don't love her like my children, obviously. But oh, why do you have to? Why do you have to mention her? Oh, I'm so upset. Look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm sweating. And you're just like, dude, settle down. Yeah. I like I like that the wife and the grandmother are doing what's best for Mai. Yeah. Um, instead of just letting him do what he wants, because he doesn't want her to be part of the family. He wants her to. He's like, I'll give her a lump sum of money, and then she gets out. That's essentially what he wants, I think. Yeah. Um, but the grandmother's like, nope, she's having my grandkids, so she's officially part of the family. Uh, get wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he he basically talks himself into like always supporting her mm-hmm. yeah he's so upset he's such a big child i love him i mean all of her sons are just big children but yeah and he says i don't want you to you and alma his wife to sit around gossiping mm-hmm. about my's future uh and meanwhile they're like yeah we're uh so she's agreed to do what we want instead of what he wants yeah, yeah right cool <laughs> and there's this part where he's dragging his wife out of the house Mm-hmm. And she's like, stop shouting. He's like, I'm not shouting. You're the one who's shouting. He's dragging her out of the house <laughs> in what could be seen as an aggressive move on his part. But she's laughing the entire time. Yep. <laughs> and he shoves her out of the house. And then we get a scene between not a happy couple. Uh, because because Carl and his, his wife are back. Yeah. This is, I think, I think this like the family stuff in between the bishop and things is the only reason this can be called a comedy 
Right, because Carl is again. Carl wants is going up to talk to his mother to ask for money. Clearly, mm-hmm. uh, with Lydia, his German wife, who we love, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like. I can't ask my mom for money, so you need to do it. You need to talk to her. Make it clear that I've been talking about killing myself, which is the wrong thing to say to his wife. Yeah, because she's like, you have what? <laughs> and and she's like, I don't know what to say. And now that you've mentioned suicide, I'm just going to start crying, which she does. Yep. Uh, uh, and then she's like, I'm going home. And you can see Carl, who we hate, by the way. We yeah. do hate Carl. He's a He's jerk worst. and an abusive husband. Yeah. But she he doesn't he's such an idiot that he only upsets his wife and she's like I'm going home and he's like no wait and he goes after her but he falls while he's chasing her. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very funny. <laughs> and uh and she has to help him cuz he's hurt his leg. And so she helps him helps him off. Uh, so they never get to the grandmother. And the grandmother instead is visited by her two other grandchildren, who are, by the way, are the most adorable children ever captured on film. Yep. <laughs> they've, they've made something for her. Mm-hmm. What is it? I can't really tell. It's it, like a f- fla- flowers? Flowers? Yeah, like sort of like threaded on a on a on a on a long piece of grass, like yeah. rose petals or something. I don't know. It doesn't matter because, or maybe it's raspberries. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell because you only see it for like a second, but it's threaded on like a on like a stem. It's long, mm-hmm. and they leave it for her. And the look that she gives that little thing they made is like, I can't, as an actor, as an actor myself, I could not show that much love in my face. <laughs> As, as as this actress does towards this thing that her grandkids have left her. It's adorable. Mm-hmm. It immediately cuts to Emily in bed with Alexander and Fanny. Yeah. And the bishop showing up and being like, so yeah, you coming to bed? <laughs> what? A... I can't say those words yeah. on air. He, he's like, well, when you come up to bed, come up to bed. Uh, good night, Fanny. And she's like, good night, uncle. And he's all, good night, Alexander. Uh, you should say good night to me. And Alexander's like, I can't. He's like, why not? Because I don't wish you would have a good night. And the bishop's like, this kid's the funniest. He's the funniest kid in the world. Oh, my God. Come to bed. Emily, come to bed when you're ready. I'm going to bed. And then he hides in the hallway waiting for his wife to show up. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like... That kid ears, that Alexander, what a card. What a funny, funny kid. Makes me laugh. Doesn't wish me to have a good night. That's funny stuff. Also, I'm locking you in your room for all of eternity now. Right. Have fun. Yeah, she's like, I'm very angry at you. I could kill you. I wish you would die. You're never going, I'm never going to have this child of yours. And he's like, funny you should say that. You're not allowed to leave your bedroom anymore. You're a danger to our child. And if you try to escape or call for help, I'm going to take it out on your kids. And then the episode immediately ends. Yep. And it's like, and credits. You're like, oh boy. Fanny and Alexander. Comedy of the year. Bergman's like, and scene. What a bunch of laughs we had, everyone. I love you all. 
there is a a feature length bonus feature on the Blu-ray that's called The Making of Fanny and Alexander. And it's just behind the scenes footage that Bergman had. He was like, someone have a camera on me at all times. I'm going to put together like a making of little short film for everyone. It's going to be fun. And so you get to see Bergman like working with the actors and working with the kids. And I'm going to tell you right now, really great director. Like yeah. he's like, let's all, he's like, Hey, he's like taking care of the kids. He's very warm. He's very like, all right, let's try this. Out. Just getting to see him like sort of put these scenes together. And he's like, Oh, can I sit here? Can I watch the scene from here? And the camera guy being like, yeah, it's fine. You won't be in the shot. But then like the, the shot doesn't work out. And Bergman's like, ah, I'm going to have to like stand up and watch this happen. I'm going to, ah, he's just sort of like this. I don't know what he was like all the time, but we'll make a fan of Alexander. He seemed to be, a, there's like a crowd shot. Like, I don't, uh, it was episode two. There's a scene of like Alexander, like running through the village mm -hmm. and you sort of see like all the people like working in their stalls. Mm -hmm. You see Bergman walking from, these are just extras. You don't, the camera doesn't linger on any of them, but he's going from extra to extra working at their little stalls. And he's being like, okay, so you and you are having a conversation about this. You feel like you've been cheated out of the price of this. You guys are having a conversation about the fish. Uh, and then or he goes up to the other one. He's like, so do you know how to cut the head off a chicken? Do you really know how to do that? And she's like, yes, of course. And he's like, okay, you're going to reach in and grab a chicken. You're going to want you to cut the head off while you're talking to this. There's so much business going on. And he specifically directed each person not only like what to do, but why they're doing it, like what all these characters are doing. It's pretty interesting. Like just what a what a hands-on director he was. Bergman. Bergsvert. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to start the whole episode over. <laughs> I haven't been recording this entire time. <laughs> That's a lie. I have been. Uh, the, the, ladies and gentlemen, these are our Bergsverts. So yeah, so that was episode uh, episode three. It was a short episode. Only an hour long. Thank God. Solid hour. Yeah, we didn't need to linger on any of this stuff. Uh, short little, short little ep episode. This is the last episode coming up, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the final episode is, is, is our next one, episode four or episode five, maybe. And uh, and uh, this is the one where suddenly I know the 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 entire thing goes off the rails and gets pretty weird. Good. Yeah. So I don't want to see any more child abuse. We're about to dip into some freaky deakiness, some Bergman weirdness, and some uh, and the return of Isaac, the shopkeeper. So uh, we love the man. We love him so much. He's good. Uh, he's good. He's good. He's a good, good, good boy. He's a good egg. So uh, Willow, where can our <laughs> listeners find you? In hell, which is where you are right now. Mm -hmm. No, we can find you on your uh, on your personal blog, uh, Bergsperts. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> What is it called that everyone has your Substack? Uh, everyone, everyone, subscribe to Willow's Substack. It's only a hundred dollars a month, and you get all of her latest Berg spurts. It's just audio audio recordings of her screaming. <laughs> yeah. It's her sustained screams. So, uh, yeah, tune into Berg spurts. Uh, that, that's it. I don't have anything. You know where to find us? Del Toro time on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, I hope you've been enjoying this month of Bergman. Month of Bergs. A Berg month. Uh, <laughs> a Berg month of Berg spurts. That's that's all we're about. I want a burger. Uh, so yes, uh, as soon as I get that T-shirt made, I'll have it listed on uh, 
on Zazzle, and I'll let everyone know. I don't even All remember right. what it's supposed to say. It's I'll have supposed to... to say. Do you it's remember? It's rigor, rigor mortis time or something. No, rigor mortis <laughs> is is <laughs> no I joke. Will... Rigor mortis this is no is joke. No joke. <clears throat> it's rigor mortis time. <laughs> That's our spinoff show. Uh, this 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 outro has been lasting uh, too long, so I'm gonna cut our losses so you can go take care of yourself. I can take care of this thing Brad sent me. I am Phil. And I'm Willow. And we'll see you when... It's Del Toro time.